0: For the Lord preserves the faithful. Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth: God was protecting David. God knows exactly
1: what's happening God knows things before you even are aware of them. Or I. So it's important that I keep in step with Him. You understand? God gave guidance to David, not only not to stay, but to go, go to the land of Judah. So if God calls you out of something, He calls you into something else. Right? He calls you out of sin into
0: holiness. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The 37th Psalm of David says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and the Lord will preserve His people for their appointed work, however vulnerable their path may cause them to be. And in the case of David, having to flee for his life from the pursuing Saul, it wouldn't be until after many sleepless nights that David would finally realize his throne as King of Israel. And coming up, Pastor Xavier reveals the simple truth of how the path of David was nonetheless guided by the heavenly throne of God. Let's listen.
1: First Samuel chapter twenty two. David is a wanted man at this point, and there is no doubt in his mind that Saul wants to kill him. The broken hearted departure of Jonathan and David led David to obtain some food and the sword of Goliath at Nav by the hand of Ahimelech. Then David attempted to blend in with the population at Gath and some of the servants of King Achish recognized him and caused him to realize the peril he was in. And so he acted like a madman, letting spit run down into his beard and grappling on the the door and all that. And the king was so disgusted, he says, get this madman out of here. And he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And that's where we find him. God being in full control begins to work out his plan to establish David as king. But notice, it's in the midst of evil that's going on, which reveals God's faithfulness in the midst of evil. Remember, God is on the throne, and all the evil that you see, God is bringing about his purposes. Always remember that. And so, God gives us three interrelated events here to demonstrate the faithfulness of God in the midst of evil. Let me read here verse 1 on down, 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Dula. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard him, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. For, so David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. And when Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying at Gibeah under the Temerash tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make all of you captains of thousands, captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who are sorry for me or reveal to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to uh, lie in wait as it is this day. And then answered Doeg, the Edomite. Who was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Abimelech, the son of Ahiatab. And he required, or inquired of the Lord uh, for him, gave him provisions, gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to call Abimelech, the priest, son of Ahiatab, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, sons of Ahiatab. He answered, Here I am, my lord. And then Saul said to him, "'Why have you conspired against me, you and the sons of Jesse, "'in that you have given him bread and a sword, "'and have inquired of God for him, "'for he should rise up against me to lie in wait as it is this day?' So Ahimelech answered the king and said, "'And who among all your servants is faithful as David, "'who is the king's son-in-law, "'who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house?' Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, like you and all your father's house. And then the king said to the guards who stood by him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also was with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priest. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. Also, Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women and children and nursing infants and the donkeys and the sheep with the edge of the sword. Now, one of the sons... Of Himalak, the son of Ahatab named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. And so David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks yours. But with me you shall be safe." God being in control is working out to establish David as king here, revealing the faithfulness of God, this is the context, in the midst of evil, by these three interrelated events. They are as follows. First, the gathering of David to Adullam for good, verse 1 through 5, for good. Secondly, verse 6 through 10, the gathering with Saul at Gibeah for self-preservation, and then thirdly, 11 through 23, the gathering of the priests from Nob for evil. Yeah, for good, for self-preservation, and for evil. And yet God's still on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. You need to keep that in mind as you see your life today in the midst of our world on things that are going on. The Bible is very, very relative to every generation. The gathering to David at a Adullam for good is the first. Event here, verse 1 through 5. The fugitive David made his escape from Gath, as we've said, to the cave of Adullam. And uh, we don't know the exact location, many caves around there. And the family of David, notice, joined him here at the cave of Adullam. They heard David's flight from Saul. So his brothers and all his father's house went down to him. Without any doubt, you know his brothers were in the army of Saul. They were probably very aware of his attempts to kill David by this time. Also, Jonathan, if you remember, made a covenant with David. And maybe perhaps even Jonathan, because the covenant was to be good to the family, that even Jonathan could have gone back and warned David's family to flee because they made that covenant. Now, notice they came from Bethlehem knowing that Saul would retaliate against them. They would be an easy target to be killed by Saul. Jonathan knew that. He tried to kill Jonathan, tried to kill Miriam, his daughter, tried to kill Samuel, tried to kill David. Saul's a madman. They would be used by Saul to try to have David turn himself in if he could get to them. You see, if people can't get to you, they get to your family. You understand? It's as old as the history of man. Now, look at verse 2 still. The group of men that gathered to David at Adullam had been affected by the worst, and for the worst, by the reign of Saul. Don't miss this. Notice everyone who was in distress, which means anguish or desperation. Now, you remember Samuel in chapter 8 warned about the king that they were asking to be like other nations. And he warned them about the king that would take their sons for his own chariots, for his own horsemen to run before him in chapter 8, verse 11. Verse 11. Everyone who was in debt, those who owed a lot of money, Samuel warned them that he would take the best of their fields, their vineyards, their groves, a tenth of their grain, a tenth of their sheep, so on and so forth, for his servants, chapter 8, 14 through 15, and verse 17. Everyone who was discontented, meaning bitter or in bitterness, Samuel had warned them that he would appoint captains over his fifties and thousands, and so on and so forth, put servants some over his ground to make his weapons, to make his chariots, chapter 8, verse 12 through 13. Samuel said he would take their male and female servants, their finest young men, their donkeys, and put them in his work, chapter 8, verse 16. The toll had come upon the nation. He had ruled them like a tyrant, oppressed them. Notice the outcome of their coming to David was that he became captain over them. In verse 2 at the end there. They were tired of the oppressive government that was stealing from them, destroying them, and dividing their nation. Saul and his appointed political czars were greedy and evil men. Saul and his czars had lost touch with the uh, disconnect of the people. They weren't in touch with the people. They were above the people. Saul and his czars were bullying the people through oppressive intimidation and power. Now, they knew David was the king that God had anointed. Samuel knew it. The family of David knew it. And many now had come to the same knowledge. Samuel, warning about that king in 1 Samuel eight eighteen, said, And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself, and the Lord Yahweh will not hear you in that day. People look to the immediate benefit. They don't look down to the deceptive words of men in politics and in power and authority to see that they're going to lose out at the end. Always. Notice there were about 400 men with him. These were the misfits of David's army as God began to prepare David for the kingdom. These and others would become some of David's mighty men they are called in 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 12, 16 through 18. David's mighty men. Now look at verse 3 and 4. The needed refuge for the parents of David was sought out. The journey of David was a priority. He loved his parents. He went from Abdulam to Mizpah at Moab. Mizpah means watchtower, located on the east side of Jordan, modern-day Amman, Jordan today. The request of David, notice, was for the safety of his parents. That's it's only natural. David asked the king of Moab there in verse three, "Please let my father and mother come here with you." David's great-grandmother was Ruth. He used his family ties. She was a Moabitess, Ruth 4:5 and 4:17. And other scriptures tell us that. Notice the duration of their stay was conditional. David said, "Till I know what God will do for me." This was David's perspective. He didn't know what God was going to do. He waited upon God. The life of David is incredible. We'll get to his failure. But from here to there, this man follows God. David was a fugitive in the eyes of Saul, but king in the eyes of God. And he was waiting upon God's timing. One step at a time. Look at four. The success of the transaction was a relief to David. David delivered the custody of his parents to the king himself. So he brought them before the king of Moab. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. A leader leads. He doesn't just delegate. He leads. He takes the front. Very, very important. David didn't have to worry about them during his nomadic life now. And they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now, in verse 5, the necessary guidance and protection by God was given to David. Don't miss it. God sent his prophet to David. Now, the prophet Gad said to David, Now, notice God at that time, through the prophet Gad here, directed him to abandon the cave of Adullam. Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart. God was protecting David. God knows exactly what's happening. God knows things before you even are aware of them, or I. So it's important that I keep in step with him. You understand? God gave guidance to David as where to go. Not only not to stay, but to go. Go to the land of Judah. So if God calls you out of something, he calls you into something else, right? He calls you out of sin into holiness. God knew the safest places. God knew the timing. God knew everything. And then notice David obeyed and trusted God completely. It says, so David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Hereth means forest in the land of Judah to distinguish it from the other forests that were around the land. This kind of trust does not come overnight, but by a daily walk, depending and obeying God, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody wants the product, but they don't want to go through the process. No, no, no. You've got to go through the process if you're going to have the product. Do You understand? What you won't learn in school today about American history is that when our founding fathers were revolting against the oppressive government of Britain and the king of England, the majority of them understood by their own writings that God was guiding them to establish a nation with religious freedom. Not... Economic goals. Taxation without representation was on the list way down on it of the grievances. It was religious freedom. If you're going to read what the founding fathers said, you have to go to the beginning of the 1900s or before the 1900s because history has been rewritten. You would be surprised to know that 52 of the 55 founding fathers of the Constitution were members of the established Orthodox Churches, in the colonies. 52 of the 55 devout, devoted Christians. Did you read that? Were you taught that in American history in high school? How about college? God is always faithful to raise up men to lead others to God in order that people be truly free. The only protection from the oppression of tyrants is for men and women to believe and depend upon God through the person of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Everything else will bring in bondage, ladies and gentlemen. This goes hand in hand with our Bill of Rights and the Constitution, bears witness to this in its entire content, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, given in itself evident by our Creator, not by philosophy, not by laws, but self-evident by a creator. You understand? The minute men move away from belief in God and they look to man as the solution for all problems, things would only get worse. Proverbs 28, 22 says, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. The history of man just in the past century should be sufficient to warn us about evil rulers. The history of dictators, socialists, Marxists, fascists, and communists exposed the evil of these men and their governments. The majority of people believe the flowery lies of politicians. When they begin to lose their wealth, their liberty, and their lives, ultimately, it usually is too late because they don't pay heed Hitler charmed his way to conquer Germany. He promised to give every German a car. He kept his word. He gave him the VW. And then he bullied his way through Europe by lies until it was too late. What we see happen in our country today is headed down this road. The damage control out of Washington is that the people who are objecting to the out-of-control spending... Are small, radical, bitter people. They're engulfed in their religion and guns. And they're trying to hinder the democratic process system. And this is damage control to cover up the lies and the evil plans. They, like Saul, have lost touch and disconnect with the real life of people. But we're watchmen. If you study the Old Testament, you can't miss the prophets who spoke against the kings, the evil of the religious prophets, the priests, everything, because they were watchmen. They weren't silent. They knew God's judgment is coming. We know God's judgment is coming, but we can't remain silent. These are moral, ethical things, ladies and gentlemen. We're silent. We're complicit to the evil. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against the evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set on them to do evil. The gathering to David at Adullam was for good. In spite of the evil that was going on, God wanted to turn it around and do some good. Do you understand? Notice, secondly, you have 6 through 10. The gathering with Saul at Gibeah for self-preservation... The news of David and his men that his men had been spotted reached Saul. The uh, reconnaissance report came, and David and his men had been discovered. And the last time Saul saw David was when he attempted to pin him to the wall with a spear in chapter 19, verse 10. The departure of David after Jonathan exposed his father's true intent, he attempted to kill Jonathan in chapter 20, verse 33. Now notice the location was in his own hometown, in Gibeah of Saul, in Ramah. As he was under the tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing around him. Saul was so insecure and so suspicious of everybody that he couldn't put his spear down. It's mentioned in chapter 18, one time, 19, three times, 26, four times. I mean, this guy is up against the wall wherever he sits, can't trust nobody in his spear. People that are evil trust nobody because they judge everybody by their own evil. Saul had no direction from God, and he is sitting around with men who have been bought and are just like him. Look at 7. The speech of Saul to the men of his tribe, Benjamin, is self-serving. Saul bullied them through his oppressive power becoming yes-men. He called for their attention. Then Saul said to the servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. And the word here is Shema. It means perceive with the ear, with the idea of listening attentively. It's the same word that is used in Deuteronomy 6, 4, for the Shema of Israel. Shema of Israel. Hear, o Israel, the Lord is one. Saul reminded them, notice in verse 7 there still, that he had made them powerful, prosperous, Will the son of Jesse give everyone a field, a vineyard, make you all captains of thousands, captains of hundreds? So he's made them wealthy. He's prospered them. He has them in his pocket. Saul had bought them. Samuel warned them in chapter 8 about that. Look at 8. The method of Saul was to move people to by guilt and emotions. Saul accused all of being against him. Listen to this word. And all of you conspired against me. But truth is, Saul had done that to David. Saul accused all of hiding information about his son Jonathan. And there is no one, no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. Yet, Saul had concealed his intent to kill David from Jonathan. You get the pattern of evil people? They always turn tables around. They accuse you of doing what they do. The gathering with Saul at Gibeah was for self-preservation, ladies and gentlemen. Mark it well. God is still on the throne.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, pausing for today in a very dramatic portion of our series in the book of 1 Samuel, highlighting the insecurity of Saul manifested ever more intensely toward David. And we'll hear the continuation of our look into chapter 22 next time. Now, you can hear this program again for any part you may have missed simply by logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com and locating the radio listings link. You can pick up a CD copy of this message as well. And the title you want to ask for is God is on the Throne. As usual, it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is God is on the Throne. Or simply mention today's date you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107.